0: I uh, have had the opportunity to meet a few of you so far, but uh, in case you haven't had a chance to meet me, allow me just to spend a few moments to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Justin Jepson, and I'm um, the New Chapel and Spiritual Formation Associate, or as a couple students affectionately called me uh, a couple weeks ago, the New Chapel Guy. And um, while I'm no stranger to Northwestern from the student side, I'm getting to know the employee side. in this role with the Awesome Student Life Team, and also serving as an adjunct professor in the Biblical and Theological Studies Department. And um, I'm excited, I am so honored uh, to be able to stand before you this morning and to kick off this week's chapel theme of Why the Church. But before we dive in, I wanted us to spend a few moments um, just to introduce myself a little bit more, help you get to know me a little bit more, and I thought, what well, better way to do that? Uh, but just to give you a couple snapshots of the timeline of my life ever since I sat in your seat a little over a decade and a half ago. And so uh, this first picture I'm going to show you dug up from the archives. This was my, uh, my, my, my student's uh, Facebook you know, pic, picture. And um, I, I don't know why I'm looking like that. I was quite, quite the doofus. Not a whole lot has changed. Um, I was in Knudsen, spent four years, four lovely years in Knudsen. How many Knudsen dwellers do we have out there? Yeah? OK is the, the current resident of Knutson 102 in chapel. Right here? Okay. I'm allow me to invite myself over. I'd love to swing by and see what you've done at the place. Um, so anyway, that was me uh, in 2004, 2005. I was a sophomore here. Fast forward about six years, uh, met this lovely uh, gal, my sweetie pie, love of my life. That's my wife, Maddie, on our wedding day. And believe it or not, we went to school here, but we actually didn't meet here. Uh, we met after I graduated and after I thought all hope is lost. I didn't give a ring by spring. I graduated single and then to my, much to my surprise, less than a year later, I met her at her brother's wedding. So that's a whole other story, um, but things worked out great and uh, very soon into our marriage, we started a family and uh, oh. yes, <laughs> not what you expect, some fur babies. Uh, we rescued a couple animals. The one on the left there is Maverick, who rescued him from a a mission trip to Philadelphia. And I wanted to name him Rocky, you know, like Rocky Balboa, Philadelphia. That didn't go over well with Maddie. So Maverick um, was his name. And then the guy on the right there is Tozer, that's our dog. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, yes, it's named after A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors. And uh, so anyway, but we kept them alive for about six and a half years. We thought it'd be good to do an upgrade and actually maybe enter, actually have a human being enter our family. And so the Lord bless us with this little stud. So this is little Bennett Blair. He's got his mommy's eyes. Um, little stud, he was born last May 18th, so he's almost four months old. And um, he is just an absolute joy. And um, I have to tell you, I actually never changed a diaper in my entire life until the date he was born. Um, I've been an uncle for almost 10 years, and I always got out of diaper duty. Um, so I wanted to save it until him. And um, about the first, the first week we had him home, I had my bodily fluid baptism into fatherhood when I was <laughs> running up to the hall because I smelled something, you know what I'm talking about, something needed to be changed. And he had just got done eating. He threw up chunky spit up all over his face. All, and then immediately after that, went oh, and sneezed <laughs> and went all up into my face. And no, let me just say, when you become a parent, normally that thing would grossed me out, and I just started laughing. And he wasn't able to smile yet. And he just kind of looked at me like nothing was going on. So, a couple wet wipes later, both my face, his face, and his rear were were clean. And um, and that's been and that has been awesome. So I'm just so thankful um, for the journey the Lord's had me on for bringing me here in recent days. And I wanted to. Um, give us, uh, actually, before we get to here, I wanted to get to know you a little bit. And how I wanted to do that real quickly, just, just take one minute. I want to get to know who, who's all here this morning. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call your class uh, by year, so senior, junior, sophomore, uh, freshman. And I just want you to stand up. And as you stand up, uh, make a little bit of noise. We can have a little friendly competition if we want. So how many seniors do we have here? Seniors? Okay. Stay standing, stay standing. And that that includes super seniors, if you like a senior plus, okay? There's no shame in that, that's totally fine. Super seniors or seniors, awesome. Either by credit or by year. Juniors, (laughs) juniors, okay, awesome, awesome. Okay, stay standing, no, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Okay, so all seniors and juniors should be standing. Next sophomores, okay, okay. Wow, very good, very good, okay. Uh, last, but certainly not least, freshmen. <laughs> wow, that was good. Now, don't worry, I have not forgotten. If you are a commuter or a PSEO student, stand up. <laughs> not, thank you for being here. You don't need to be, you don't get credit for this, or but you're here, so thank you. So for all of you, and anybody else that had a not call, if you're a staff, a parent, a friend, you wandered in off the street, you can also stand as well. And stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Because now that I have, now that everyone's standing, remain standing with me, because I'd love to read for us uh, from God's Word. Let's stay standing in honor of God's Word. I'd love to read for us a passage in Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. It says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then... Father, I want to thank you that you have gathered us together, Lord, across various geographical locations, across various denominations and church backgrounds, across various cultures and ethnicities, and you have gathered us together here as one, that because of who you are, Jesus, and the work that you have done on the cross by dying and rising again, you have broken down. You have killed the the dividing wall of hostility, and that we have a new identity, a new purpose in this life as your beloved sons and daughters. And Lord, I pray in the next few moments as we look at this question, why the church from the vantage point of this text, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to remember and to restore to us the joy of our salvation, and that we would be edified and built up and further grow together as a dwelling place for you by your spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. 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 You may have a seat. Now this passage in Ephesians, um, I, last week, if you were here last Tuesday, Dr. Kirton spoke and he I was praying about ahead of time what to share from uh, on this day. And he actually went to this text and I was like, that's where I was gonna go like that's where I want to stay but I want to actually just expound upon a little further and really build upon what he started last week and where, and really the momentum of where the chapel is going as we have begun this new year and the this passage in Ephesians let me just give you just a brief context and overview of the book Ephesians is one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote and he wrote it from a place of prison he wrote it from a place of great persecution and hostility and he's writing back to his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ and the churches in Ephesus and he he, he he wants to accomplish three main things is that he wants to remind them of who they are in Christ because of what Jesus has done the new identity that they have in him as beloved sons and daughters and then as a result of that of who they are now how do they now live as sons and daughters in Christ so they look at their identity in Christ the purpose in Christ and then he finishes with the last chapter of how do you fight to live and to stay living in your identity in Christ. So there's the identity in Christ, the purpose in Christ, and our warfare in Christ. And this passage itself finds it kind of right in the middle of Paul making the transition between here's who you are in Christ and here's how you are to live in Christ. And, And so when we look at this idea of why the church, why the local church, the most simple way that I could put it is it's an expression of who you are, that who we are determines what we do. And so often we get that the other way around, don't we? We try to determine who we are by what we do rather than allowing who we are because of what God has done for us in Christ to determine how we live our lives. And so my, my prayer this morning is that we would have a reverent gratitude over the fact that we are in God's family because of what Jesus has done and that, that would lead to an awestruck enthusiasm that we actually get to be a part of his mission. And I could come with the approach of saying, you know what, you should be involved in a local church because that's what a good Christian should do. And let me tell you, I, I lived in that vein of legalism for years. But I wanna come from the standpoint of what Paul does and he says he wants you to remember very often people need to be remembered more often than they need to be instructed and i want to remind us of a few things of who we are this morning because of what god has done and the first thing that paul talks about and i want to call our attention to he gives us three beautiful metaphors of who we are in christ and how we are to live in christ first thing he says is this he says that the church is god's kingdom sorry that's maybe a little small can you guys all see that okay Okay, why the church? Because the church is God's kingdom. He says, he says it this way um, in verse 19. He says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. He tells them who you are no longer. He, he, he calls to mind who they were apart from Christ before they were saved. He says that you were strangers, you were aliens, you were without God, you were without hope in the world. And I love that he says, but now in Christ, you were once far off and been brought near. And I love, this, I love to say this, the, the Bible has some big butts. Okay, the Bible has big butts and it does not lie, all right? And, and here's, here's the thing, this is a big butt, okay? This is a big butt. You were once stranger and aliens, but now guess what? You are fellow citizens with the saints. We need to remember that as Christians, we are heavenly citizens. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, as citizens of heaven, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, God's kingdom isn't just one nation, but it's made up of many. It's not a geographical entity, but a spiritual reality, where God rules and reigns through the lives of his people. You see, we're, our home, our true home is not here on earth, it's, it's, it's heaven. And while we may be residents or citizens or who have grown up in one nation or another or the US, we, we're thankful for the place that we live or where we grow or where we go to school, our ultimate allegiance is to God's kingdom. Our home isn't this earth. As a citizen of heaven, Jesus is our king and we enjoy all the freedoms and the benefits of that. We're called to represent the king just as we have been reconciled to God through Jesus. We are now called and commanded to reach others with the good news of Jesus' love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and the peace so that they too can be near to God. And so because the church is God's kingdom, I want you to keep this in mind. Therefore, we have God's authority. As fellow citizens, we have God's authority. But this authority that we have is not something that we achieve. It's something that we receive from God. And it's something that we primarily receive through cultivating intimacy with him. And one of the things that I love, looking back in the Gospels and how Jesus began to call his disciples, says in Mark 3, that he called those to himself, those whom he desired to come up on the mountain so that they might be with him. So one, he's calling those whom he desires to first and foremost to be with him. Then to go out and he will give them authority to preach and to cast out. and so this with god life cultivates this intimacy with him which then we receive his authority and we live it out on on his terms and with his um, with his authority so those and those who have intimacy with god will not be intimidated by man and the second thing that paul says is that why the church is because the church is god's family and this is where I, I, I spend the kind of the central time, uh, the central framework of where the most probably the most beautiful picture and the most vivid picture and the most repeated picture of what the church is, is a family. It's, it's a body, the body of Christ. And while that term is not explicitly stated here, it's certainly implied. That, that this idea that we are God's family. He says in Ephesians 1, for the one five that in love he predestined us for adoption that we're adopted as sons and daughters your identity is one who is a a beloved son or daughter of a perfect heavenly father that's your identity that's who you are you have been predestined in love he says that you've been saved by love that but another another big but in the bible another big but in ephesians as paul talks about who we once were We were enslaved to our sin. We were held captive to to the devil and and to his ways. We were under the wrath of God. But now, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with him. And that this love is something that we can know, the love of God that surpasses knowledge. This love in Ephesians 5 is something that we are called to imitate. You see this because we're part of god's family every single one of us has a role to play beloved jesus didn't die and raise again so that he can gather on sunday mornings or wednesday nights a bunch of crowd of spectators he died and rose again so that he can empower and release participators in his great commission and so this idea is that every single one of us has a role to play that we're built on this foundation of the apostles and the prophets christ jesus himself being our cornerstone that this even though there's a lot of diversity i know even on this campus there's we have 20, over 20 different nations we have over 40 different denominations and even myself in my own background i like to call myself i'm an evan Catholic. <laughs> i don't have time to break that all down for you but some people think that sounds like i have a case of ecclesiastical schizophrenia it's it's more like to say i'm a denominational free agent that any church, any church that has Jesus as its cornerstone, as the foundation, I can join together in fellowship and partner. And this is meant to be an expression, a training ground for us to be released into the world. And then, lastly, the last image that Paul uses in this text why the church? Because the church is God's temple. He says it this way in whom the whole structure Being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And what Jesus says, the cornerstone or the joining point, the family grows into a holy temple or dwelling place for God. Notice the progression of closeness here. I love what Paul, he talks about really broad. You're citizens. Fellow citizens with the saints. We're citizens of God's kingdom. That's really broad. And then he says you're members of his household. You're in his family and now he actually says you're the very temple that is indwelt by the presence of god and we see this progression of closeness that in the temple then in, in the day that paul was writing this was the very center of jewish worship the place where they would go that they would get near to god where they'd offer sacrifices and now because jesus died and rose again he is the temple He is the final and forever sacrifice and now the temple is not made with brick and stones we're not living brick and stones he builds his temple through those whom he bought with his own blood on the cross to be filled by his holy spirit empowered to go out into the world to partner with him in his mission and because the church is god's temple we have god's power because his very presence dwells within you and i And here's the thing. I want to just briefly show a a 90-second video as we bring things to a close. And what you're seeing here is the progression of the gospel since the beginning of the church. as you've seen just in a brief video, and there's so much we could say and expound, but if you just notice through the ages, the battle and the taking of ground, of the spread of the gospel, and here's the thing, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, gates in the time that Paul was writing, the gates around the city were primarily a defensive structure. That means that as the church, we're not called to just sit and to receive but we're called to receive and then reproduce. And so you are God's family, and because of that, you are on God's mission with him. And by mission, I mean co-mission. Jesus, this is Jesus' mission. A mission is something you go and accomplish, whether a co-mission is something that you partner with somebody else to accomplish. And over the last 2,000 years, the gospel has gone forth. But I want to let you know is that Even up to this point, out of the 7 billion people that are still on this planet, 2.3 billion have never heard the gospel. So, beloved, what that means is that there's a lot of work to do. And what that means is that the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're part of God's plan A. There is no plan B. And so beloved jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom will reach every nation and then he will return and we are called that jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the father son and the holy spirit teaching them to obey all that i've commanded. behold i am with you always to the end of the age that because of god's because of what jesus has done that we are god's kingdom therefore we have his authority because of what Jesus has done as God's church we are his family therefore we can walk in his sacrificial love and imitate him and because of what Jesus has done we remember that we are God's temple that we have his very presence living inside of us so we are God's family empowered to be on God's mission together and as we close I want to invite us to stand and I want to say that there's still so much more to say that could be said and this week we're gonna we're gonna tomorrow we're gonna have a panel of some students and staff to dialogue and to take this a step deeper. I want to encourage you if you normally don't show up on Tuesday, if you can please get here. And then we have another local pastor, church planter, and church planter mobilizer in the Twin Cities on Wednesday that's gonna be coming to speak. And then we have on Thursday um, a, a unity chapel where we get together and we pray together. Because one of the primary roles that we play is God's house is a house of prayer. And so let me pray over us as we conclude our time together this morning. God, I want to thank you and praise you for each and every single one of these students, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that you in love have predestined them for adoption as beloved sons and daughters. That because of what Jesus has done, that we get to be part of your kingdom as fellow citizens with the rest of the saints to walk in your authority that because of what you have done, Jesus, that we get to be a part of your family, that you redeemed us, you bought us with the price, your own blood, that we would walk in sacrificial love just as you have. And Lord, that we would move forward together as your temple, that we are being built together. We're still in a process, and God, thank you that in Christ Jesus, everything that you have began, you will bring to completion at the day of Christ. And so thank you that because of jesus starting this mission that we get to be part of an unstoppable unfailing mission until all of the nations of the world are discipled and for your glory and then you will return jesus to make all things new so lord may we go forward with a fresh remembrance of who we are and how we are called to live as your church we pray this all in jesus mighty name and everyone said